Welcome to the Fantasy Football 24-7 Podcast. Fantasy football all day, every day. Second episode of the FFD 247 Injury Report Podcast. I'm your host, Ethan Turner. You can find me over on Twitter at eTurnerFF underscore PT. You can find this show and all of the 247 podcasts on Twitter at FFB underscore 247. Make sure you check out the awesome website, 247fantasyfootball.com. So, for those of you who uh, didn't catch the first episode and are now wondering, you know what this show is all about. This is the go-to pod for the 24/7 family uh, for all things injury-related this season to help you make those all-important start-sit decisions, and as well as dropping all kinds of injury knowledge on you guys. Uh, I think the injuries are a huge part of winning in fantasy football leagues, and we're here to help you out. Um, this week, I'm joined by the man, the myth, the legend, the Bayou Baller himself and the host of the Fantasy Football 24-7 Redraft Podcast, Debro. Debro, how we doing tonight, brother? <laughs> That's a big intro to live up to, Ethan. I, I'm doing pretty good, man. How, how are you doing? I'm good, man. I figured you deserved kind of that uh, Game of Thrones, you know, all the titles. You got to give them all the titles. All, uh, all, all the titles, all the love. Well, there, there is one thing true about that before we get rolling here. I do drink, and I do know things, so there's that. That's right. That's right. So if you guys want to check out Debro, he's on Twitter as well at Debro underscore FFB. So we have a pretty good uh, show tonight. Um, we're going to be counting down uh, our top five post injury value coming to redraft season. Um, for those of you that don't know, Debro does have a little bit of a medical background. So uh, he and I were discussing, you know, where the value's at. Uh, this year in terms of players coming back from injury or players that, you know, we think had a down year last season based on an, an injury. So uh, we all know that the players that are returning from injury can kind of slide down an ADP. The thing is, you know, how do we take, how do we know which of those players are going to be a value and which ones are risk? You know, Aaron Rodgers, for example, obviously he's a top five player that got injured last season, um, but you're not getting him at a value per se this season, you know, he's still QB one uh, or QB two, you know, you're not, you're not getting any kind of injury discount on him in, in, in drafts. So we're kind of looking for those guys that aren't like Aaron Rodgers, you know, the guys that aren't like Carson Wentz and Deshaun Watson, obviously those guys have actually gone up in ADP um, despite having pretty major injuries. So that's not exactly what we're, we're going for here. We want, we want those guys who are going to return, um, or could possibly return huge dividends based on their current draft position. So, you know, we, we sat down, we hashed it out, we got our top five guys we think, you know, could be could be the guys that you want to invest in this this season that are going to be going to be having that little is, uh, injury discount. So um, we're going to start things off here. We're going to go through this pretty quick. Um, as all of our shows are going to be pretty quick. This isn't a long podcast for those of you that are new, you know, 30 minutes or less. That's kind of our motto. So we're going to pick things up 
here at number five, we have Charles Clay, tight end uh, for probably the worst team in the NFL, arguably, uh, in the Buffalo Bills. So last year, Clay uh, at this time was being drafted 172nd overall as the tight end 24. And currently he's still being drafted as the tight end 24, but at the 210 overall spot. So that's a 40 spot drop off. Now, obviously Clay has a pretty significant injury history. Um, Last season in week five, you know, he had a meniscus tear in his knee as well as an MCL sprain that caused him to miss three games right in the middle of the season. And we kind of think that that, that's why he had a down year last year. Um, the meniscus, for those of you that don't know, is kind of a little crescent-shaped piece of cartilage that sits within the knee. You have two of them, one on each side, um, the inside of your knee and the outside of your knee. And it primarily works to to help assist the, the lower part of the leg as it moves throughout the range of motion. You know, as you're kicking your knee up and down, you're your meniscus is kind of helping to make sure that everything stays in line. It also acts as a shock absorber. So any cartilage is going to be a shock absorber. So um, the interesting thing about the meniscus and meniscus injuries is that certain areas of the meniscus have really good blood supply, can heal themselves. Um, And then there's other parts of the meniscus that you can't, you can't heal themselves. You have to go in with surgery. So knowing that clay came back from that injury, tells us, you know, it was probably a small tear in one of those areas that really has good blood flow. It's going to be able to heal up by itself. So that's the good thing. Um, The other good thing is we've seen him come back. You know, he returned uh, in week nine last season and, you know, honestly, he didn't really have a very good end of the year. Um, so, Debro, what do you expect from Clay this season? And do you feel like he could he could come in and be a top twelve tight end in twenty eighteen? I love Charles Clay, huge value. And for what you're talking about, all the injury stuff, the the weeks that we kind of feel like he was probably healthy either before the injury or healthy ish towards the end of the season. Mm-hmm. So, the games that if you look at just the averages for the seven games that he was conceivably healthiest uh the beginning of the season he was before the injury over that span he was the tight end four in fantasy for the final three weeks of last season when he was presumably the healthiest because his snap percentage went back above that 70 percent range he was to tight end nine so you look at a points per game basis he on those seven healthy games 12 points per game, that would have put him as the tight end four on the season. So I love Charles Clay this year. Yeah, I agree. I think you also have to look at, you know, the the outside stuff besides the injury. So, you know, there's two parts. There's the injury itself, and then there's, you know, all the things that are happening around him. Um, so obviously he's got two new quarterbacks. One hasn't ever had really a consistent starting record, so we don't know if they're going to go to the tight end. But um, – the Bills themselves as a team have targeted the tight end an average of 106 times a year since 2015. So there's obviously going to be volume. And another thing that I don't think enough people are talking about is their new offensive coordinator is a former Patriots tight end coach. So talk about a guy that knows how to use the tight end. Um, last year, he was second in targets behind Shady McCoy. Uh, we know uh, that he was also tied with Zay Jones. Those two guys, you know, we have no idea what they're going to produce uh, this coming season. Shady's obviously got his um, 
his legal troubles right now. So we're not really sure he's kind of up in the air. Um, outside of those two, you're looking at Kelvin Benjamin, who hasn't shown to be a consistent producer as well. So I think that Clay could have a really good, a really good bounce back year if he stays healthy. Now we're going to move on to number four here on our list. Um, we've got Ryan Tannehill, the quarterback from the Miami Dolphins. Um, Tannehill is currently going as 31st quarterback off the board at an average pick of 220th overall, which um, in a lot of the shallower redraft leagues, that's basically undrafted. You know, in two quarterback leagues, I think he's probably still going a little bit higher, but I mean, he's dirt cheap right now. So Tannehill's injury history is kind of an interesting case because he missed all of 2017, uh, 2017 after an ACL reconstruction. Um, and he also missed the last three games of 2016 with the same ACL injury. So essentially he had a parcel ACL tear and opted to forego surgery in 2016 um, and attempted to just recover using only rehab. Now, as a physical therapist, I, you know, I want everyone to know that it's not uncommon for everyday people to function at a high level, even uh, with it, with the damage to ACL. Um, it's, you don't always have to have, surgery but for an nfl player you know he was taking a risk and he knew that um so he he tried to use conservative treatment he was still wearing a brace coming into last preseason and then you know he took a took a bad step and then uh re-aggravated that injury opted to go for surgery probably cost himself seven eight games you know had he just gone with the surgery Last season, you know, he could have had played or in 2016, he could have played all of 2017. So uh, kind of a, a lesson for future football players out there um, that maybe that's not always the best idea. Um, so he tried it, obviously re-aggravated it, had the surgery. Debro, from a fantasy perspective, man, what do you think about Tannehill um, returning? Do you think he's going to be, you know, top 24, let's say even uh, top 16 fantasy option this year you know how do we feel about Tannehill I I think I mean he's gonna be you said what quarterback 31 the guy is gonna be dirt cheap in drafts for two quarterback leagues he is a sneaky value I really like him this year because last time we saw him on the field the guy was setting career marks in a lot of different categories whether it's completion percentage or touchdown percentage, he was setting new career highs in those. And if you look back at it history-wise, outside of, you know, obviously not a full season in 2016, but every other year besides that, he has been a QB1 previously. He was uh, the eighth-ranked quarterback in 2014. He's never finished worse than the QB24. So especially for people in two quarterback leagues, I mean, dude, that is a dirt-cheap QB2 that you can get at the very end of a draft that is going to play up very well. And I want to say off the top of my head, he is also going against, I think, a top-five schedule as far as ease for fantasy quarterbacks this year. So Tannehill, I love. Dirt-cheap, pick him up in two quarterback leagues. Yeah, I think Fantasy Pros has him at uh, seventh in terms of strength of schedule for quarterbacks. But still, I mean, seventh seventh in terms of strength of schedule is is awesome. He's got all sorts of new weapons there. Um, he's not going to be, you know, funneling targets to one guy anymore with Jarvis Landry leaving. So, you know, I think that especially not so much in a, in a one quarterback league, but in a, in a two QB league, you know, if you like to wait on quarterbacks, grabbing Tannehill, even as your third option, you know, as your third quarterback, 
I feel like you're going to get the value that you put into that. And he, you know, he played 16 games um, in every season before he injured that ACL. So he's pretty reliable there. I've got a question for you about him because part of Tannehill's value in the past has come from his sneaky kind of rushing upside. Now, do you think like with the recovery from the knee injury, he's going to be able to retain that value if they let him run or, or, I mean, what are we looking at as recovery? Do you, I mean, basically, can he be that rushing guy still? I think he can. I think he can still be that rushing guy. You know, he's, he's not an old quarterback per se. Um, so there, you know, and he's had more than your average amount of time. You know, he's at that, you know, since he injured it in the uh, in the preseason, he's had that 12 months that I'm looking for uh, for recovery time to get back to previous level of function. So um, I think that there's a there is a chance, especially with uh, they've got a kind of an improved running game, I think, since the last time he was playing there. You know, he, he does have kind of that sneaky upside as a rusher. And I think you'll see some of that this year and probably back to full strength, you know, towards the end of the season uh, in terms of the rushing production. But okay. yeah, um, I think Tannehill could be a, a serious value. So next we're moving on. Number three, um, we've got one of our biggest fallers uh, from grace from last season to this season. So uh, Ty Montgomery, the running back for the the Green Bay Packers. Now I know, there's a ton of love right now going all over the place for all of his teammates, Jamal Williams, Aaron Jones. Um, but, but for me, I'm taking Montgomery at his ADP all day. Um, currently going as the RB 44 um, and 115th player off the board. So you're going to get him at the end of the ninth, um, 10th round. Usually I've seen him go later than that in some of the earlier drafts that I've been in. Um, I just feel like with Montgomery, uh, there's a lot of hype behind the two guys behind him, but Montgomery was a sneaky good running back before he got injured last year. So, you know, last last season, uh, he he came out of that corner as the starter the first three games, and he was throwing absolute haymakers in fantasy. RB8 and scoring after three weeks, um, that came to a huge halt in week four. Uh, he went down early with broken ribs uh, and a sprained wrist. So he, he tried to come back from that um, in week six. Week, uh, sorry, week six. But, you know, he re-injured those ribs in week nine, Put got put on the IR, you know, never really came back to that early season form. Now, I don't know if anyone out there has ever had broken ribs, but I can tell you, it's amazing that he played in just two weeks after breaking those ribs. Um, any, any movement uh, you have really breathing, everything hurts when you have a broken rib um, and he had multiple broken ribs. So to, to even come back, man, that is, that's some, some serious toughness. And I'm not surprised that it, it hampered him afterwards. Cause like I said, it is incredibly painful. Um, so it's not surprising that he couldn't come back, but you know, I do think it is surprising to me kind of how he's just kind of fallen off the board in a lot of drafts. Um, Debro, do you think this fall is warranted? You know, how early are you willing to take Ty Montgomery and redraft this season? Any chance he comes back and takes over again? So I, I think that this is best. And if we go down at least a block down narrative street, um, 
a lot of times the way that the the Patriots backfield is looked at is the, the, the narrative always gets thrown out there. Take the cheapest option, and there yes. you go. So the cheapest option right now in redraft for the Packers is Ty Montgomery because every, everybody says Jamal Williams, everybody says Aaron Jones, and I'm not saying that's not without merit because the guys played up when they got the chance, and that's the real conundrum because you had three guys, and it's not like two of them crapped the bed when they got the chance. All three of them played very well yeah. in, in different ways. But the guy that I want, and if anybody listened to 24-7 last year around this time, the guy that I could not get off the mouthpiece enough on was Ty Montgomery. I am a time on truther until the day I die. Okay, so I will advocate that people go and pick him up in drafts because he is going to be the cheapest option. If you want to go, say, two out of the three, the two two guys that if you want to try to lock up this backfield, the best chance to do that, I think, is to take Aaron Jones and take Ty Montgomery late. And one of those two guys, they are the most talented runners on that team uh, by far, in my opinion. And I I just think that for the fact that this guy is still 25 years old and he's not old, and besides injury – is the only thing that that you know befell him last year, and we're not hearing. I mean, at a Packers camp, they're talking about a committee and stuff like that. I still think that there's a chance that Ty Montgomery could walk away with this starter's job, considering Aaron Jones is suspended for the first two games. So you still have Ty Montgomery and and Jamal Williams, and out of the two of them, if Ty Montgomery gets the majority of the snaps and blows up in the first two weeks, he could run away with this job. So uh, give me time on every draft. I agree completely. And, you know, the other thing with time on is Aaron Rodgers loves him. Um, you mm-hmm. know, when he started, uh, when he, when he got, when they moved him to running back in 2016, he had multiple 10 catch games. I mean, in a PPR format, I feel like time on is one of those, one of those high upside, you know, his, his upside is, you know, he's the starting running back for the green Bay Packers. Uh, his floor is that they're still moving him around the formation. He's still going to get those targets, um, I believe. And I think those targets kind of give him a safe floor. Uh, whereas, you know, a lot of these other, you know, pass catching running backs aren't going to have the upside chance that he does where he could be the guy. So, you know, I think timeout's going to be that's a, good, a steal. A that's steal a good point. This year. And then that that's a really good point. I'll, I'll piggyback on that very quickly before we move on that Ty Montgomery might be the only guy that has a definitive role that doesn't get buried because if he's involved in the passing game, say something happens to Randall Cobb, it's not going to be Aaron Jones. It's not going to be Jamal Williams that could, you know, you could see move out into the slot. That would be Ty Montgomery. And is, I mean, we're, we're all assuming health. Ty Montgomery could be the guy, regardless of anything that will not get buried, that will at worst be a flex play. Whereas, Aaron Jones, Jamal Williams, one of the two of them could be buried on the bench and not even be playing at all. So that's a great point is talking about just in safety too. Yeah, absolutely. So moving on here, um, number two on our list, we have Cameron Meredith, the wide receiver for the New York, New Orleans Saints. Um, Saints signed Meredith for pennies on the dollar when the Bears opted to to put that you know, what I considered a low ball tender on him this offseason. Um, Meredith is coming off a pretty brutal ACL tear last preseason. Missed all of 2017 as expected. 
um, with the ACL tear. Um, he also had some MCL damage as well. So that's important to note. It's not just an ACL tear. Um, obviously, you know, ACL recovery, I've said it multiple times. I'm going to keep saying it. I look for that sweet spot of 12 months post-op before I really start looking to invest high capital in players. So he's going to be there before week one. The nice thing about Meredith is that outside of that ACL tear, you know, his injury history is pretty squeaky clean. So it's not like he's, you know, a, a, a high risk player outside of that. So that's, that's always something you want to see. And there's already some rumors coming around that, you know, he's not even going to be on the, the, the active PUP for the preseason, you know, he could get in, he could get in there and get some snaps with Drew Brees. You know, you're looking at uh, him joining a top 10 offense in the league. You got Drew Brees, you know, locking that baby down. I do think that Drew Brees is back coming back for a resurgence, um, you know, in terms of passing the ball, you know, he had a down year last year, but I think Drew Brees is Drew Brees. He's going to produce. So um, do you think that Meredith takes over as kind of that wide receiver two uh, behind Michael Thomas? And is there a chance that Drew Brees and this passing offense uh, buoys him up into, you know, top, top 30 wide receiver range? Well, I put out a tweet and I feel like when you came to me with this list of players, I pretty much was like, don't change anything. And partially it could have, that could have been a little bit self-serving and the fact that these are two in Ty Montgomery and Cameron Meredith, I am an absolute truther in both of them. I believe in the talent. I So the, the big favorite stat, uh, I put out a tweet about it, was that Drew Brees in eight out of his 12 seasons in New Orleans has supported two top 36 receivers. And for everybody that wants to talk about the volume, that includes the last two seasons in a row. So if there's another guy that I'm going to put my money towards uh, and being in that top 36, if that repeats is going to be Cameron Meredith. Just look at what he did on that dumpster fire bears team. And he played up and made Matt Barkley look great. Um, I, I love Meredith. I think he could absolutely be a guy that could finish inside the top 36. Yeah, I think with Meredith, you're looking at a guy before he get, has that ACL tear that people are expecting to be the number one guy in Chicago. Obviously, the depth is not there, um, was not there at the time, but, you know, that talent, the talent and the breakout has already happened. So a quarterback upgrade is going to be a huge deal. So, all right, man, we're going to keep moving on here. We'll keep chugging through these. Uh, number one post injury player value heading into 2017. And, and I'll preface this with, you know, this is cheating, I feel like, because this is an obvious answer, but it's Andrew Luck, man. Quarterback for the Indianapolis Colts. Now, I know uh, if you guys have listened to this pod, uh, the first episode of this pod, I'm going to hear a lot of, well, what the heck, man? You just said last week that you're not investing in Andrew Luck <laughs> uh, this season. And I did say that, you know, I admit that I personally, I'm out on him, but... This list is based on value, and there is a chance, you know, it's not a 100% chance, but there is a chance that Andrew Luck comes back and is 100% week one, um, and if that happens, if he comes back and he is, you know, the old Andrew Luck, getting him at QB 11 in the 98th overall spot is going to pay back, and it's going to be huge. Um, 
you know, with, with Luck's injury, there's a lot, there were a lot of questions, a lot of misinformation going around last season. Um, I was telling everybody that I knew, obviously I wasn't in, in the fantasy biz, so to say, but I was telling everybody, I'm like, look, I don't know if he's going to start. I don't know what's happening with his shoulder. Um, I think that there was probably some, some pain in that shoulder with the motion. And when there's pain, you know, they're not going to put him out on the field. So um, he tore his labrum. Labrum's a main stabilizer of the shoulder, or uh, one of the main stabilizers, kind of as a, uh, another uh, cartilage. Um, and it works like a suction cup. So it suctions the, the head of the humerus into that, uh, into the socket of the shoulder joint, holds it there. Um, if you tear it, you lose that suction effect, and then you have an unstable shoulder. So he played through it. I think it got worse. Um, I think they rushed his rehab on the way back. Shoulders are finicky, man. You know, you can't just, you can't rush a shoulder and you definitely can't rush a shoulder for an overhead athlete, like a quarterback. So the, all that being said, that's kind of the injury take, but Debro, um, do you think luck can finish ahead of that 11th QB pick? Um, what do you think his ceiling is? You know, is he top five, top three, number one? When he's played in full seasons, here's his quarterback finishes. As a rookie, eighth, sixth, second, and fourth. So you're getting him as a bottom of basement QB1. Even if he's like 75% Andrew Luck, he's not going to finish outside of a QB1 tier. So at worst, you're getting him at cost with top five upside. That's an insane value. Insane value. It's and great. we talked about with Tannehill, Luck has the rushing upside. You know he's good for about two to three rushing scores every single year. So I I'm I think that he's a big value. And that defense is still not good. The volume's going to be there. And just like Aaron Rodgers, Luck, the, the weapons around him, because everybody wants to talk about the weapons and be like, eh, they're crap. Whatever, man. Luck is like Rodgers in the fact that the weapons around him, he plays them up. So as long as there are people with hands that can catch the ball, and here's the insert for the Ebron joke, but it, <laughs> they, he is going to pay off on that price. Yeah, absolutely. I think Luck is just kind of the no-brainer here um, in terms of he is a guy that I really do think, you know, if we see a full preseason, I don't expect him to still be at that QB 11. Um, he's a guy that could jump up. But if he plays 16 games, dude, it's a lock. I think that he is uh, a top five quarterback in the league. He's just he's that he's that damn good, man. So um, that was the top five list. Um, we we debated a lot of these other guys. Uh, I'm gonna go through the list of kind of the guys that just barely missed the cut of the top five: um, Quincy Anunua, Chris Thompson, Chris Carson, Derek Carr, uh, Pierre Garcon. Garcon, sorry. And uh, Jake, but Debro, anything you want to say on those guys? Anyone you're, you know, any of those names that really piqued your interest? Yeah, two names kind of stick out to me on that one, and I, it's got to be Pierre Garcon and Quincy Anunwa. Anunwa could easily—they're talking about playing him in the slot. And regardless of whether it's McCown or Darnold, Darnold is a guy that targeted the middle of the field and a lot of slant routes in college, and McCown has shown that he's willing to take the safety and I think that Anunwa is a guy that last time we saw him on the field played up 
And so with Pierre Garçon as well, he's tied to a very good quarterback. They're going to throw. He was operating as the one before the injury. So th- those are the two guys that stand out to me. And people could talk about Chris Thompson, but I think that is Darius Geis' backfield. And, and Thompson is not going to see more than eight to t- ten touches a game tops. So if I got to pick two of them, it's going to be a noon one and Garcon. I agree. I think those are probably the top two. Um, I, I'm I'm curious to watch Chris Carson. Um, I know that they drafted Rashad Penny in the first round over in Seattle, but man, the coaches love Chris Carson. He was a coach favorite, and I think that those guys. Um, in Seattle, you know, they the coaches make a lot of the player decisions. So I'd be watching to see how many reps he's getting in the preseason. Um, so those are kind of the guys that that we think, you know, could could come back and be a, a pretty good value. So that wraps up this week's 24-7 Injury Report podcast. Um, we're only a few weeks away, man, from the preseason. Uh, football is starting up. Camps have already started. The Ravens are in camp. Things are getting going. You know the injuries are coming. So we are going to be here weekly letting you guys know what is up with those injuries, who you need to watch out for, who you need to be you be pouncing on in terms of value. Every year there's a preseason guy that gets hurt, comes back in the middle of the year, and puts up numbers. So, you know, we're going to be here. We're going to be letting you guys know all that, all those, those sweet, sweet insights. So, um, again – we thank you guys for coming in, uh, checking out the podcast, share it on Twitter, let everybody know that this is the place to be for injuries. You can find my man Debro on Twitter at Debro underscore FFB. Uh, check him out on the redraft podcast. Uh, you can find me at E Turner under uh, FF underscore PT and all the 24 seven shows at FFB underscore two four seven until next time. Peace. Peace.